0: Welcome to the Mixing Babies and Business Podcast. If we haven't met or you're unfamiliar with this podcast, hi, I'm Amy Lynch, and I've been bringing my kids into business settings since becoming a parent in 2016 and becoming an accidental activist along the way. This podcast contains a mixture of solo and interview guest mini-episodes focused on all things parenthood, business, flexible, and remote work with kids. Season 4 is rolling out and has been sponsored by the Startup Community Empowerment Fund, which is presented by Startup Canada, MasterCard, UPS, UPS and BDC. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a review online. It helps other parents find the podcast. Liam Martin is an entrepreneur and parent of one kid. He is co-founder and CMO of Time Doctor and Staff.com, as well as co-organizer of the Running Remote Conference. He is an avid proponent of remote work and has grown his company to people working from over 40 different countries without an in-person office. His writing has been published in Forbes, Inc., Mashable, TechCrunch, Fast Company, and he recently released his first book, Running Remote. This is the first of three mini episodes of our conversation. In this interview, we talk about securing childcare as a business tactic and his approach to asynchronous management. Let's get into it. Thanks for joining
1: me. Thank you Pop for along. having me. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm ready to teach people about remote work.
0: Yeah. So my first question for you was as an entrepreneur, a hybrid conference organizer of running remote and also as a parent of a preschool age mm-hmm. kid. We've talked mm-hmm. about that previously. Um, what are some ways that you've adapted your workflow?
1: So to get very much into tactics, I think, number one, costing out the extra cost of childcare has been a really important variable that needs to be taken into consideration. That's probably the biggest change that's happened. So we have three kind of layers of redundancy. Uh, actually, technically four. My father, I actually moved him very close to me so that he only lives about two blocks away. And he's my last line of defense. So if there's a serious issue where I have to jump onto a big sales meeting or something like that, I'll and no one's available, I'll just give you a perfect example. Yesterday, one of the children at My daughter's preschool ended up testing positive for COVID. So she's been home Thursday and Friday. And so that's where, so that's the first layer, which is government funded daycare. And in my particular province, it works out to $10 per day, which includes breakfast and lunch. And it's extraordinarily good. It's really, really good childcare. And I can drop the kid off at 7. AM and I can pick her up at 6. PM if I need to, which really handles a lot of the general requirements that needs and requirements that me and my wife have, because we're both entrepreneurs. The second layer is the, uh, the nanny that we have. So we've hired a private nanny that we have on call sometimes on Saturdays. So if we need help on a Saturday, it's actually a service. So it's generally the same nanny, but sometimes it could be somebody different and they'll come in on a Saturday and they'll help us with Stella if we're both working uh, in a serious way. The third layer is a babysitter like a 16 year old girl that lives down the street and she's able to take care of Stella and we've kind of tested her out once or twice and she seems cool with Stella so we'll use her a couple times particularly if we're going to go out to dinner or something like that and then that fourth last line of defense is my father which is a recently new addition he's only been here for about a month and if all of those other layers fail he's the last layer of defense that takes care of Stella. So that probably in terms of dollars and cents, costs me an extra $1,000 to $2,000 a month um, in terms of childcare, which is quite a bit, but is probably the only way that I would really see both me and my wife to allow us to be able to get an eight-hour shift in every single day.
0: Yeah, and if you compare it to Ontario, like that's pretty on par. It's actually way more reasonable than what Ontario (laughs) is right now. But I mean, for those times when things haven't shut down or say you're not feeling well or or you have to keep Stella at home and there's no other options. Do you try to schedule your work around different activities or do you just say, all right, today is I'm going to lower my expectations. And today is not going to be a day when I can connect with people that I need to, or do you adapt? Well, there it? are
1: certain, yeah. So there's certain tasks that we say are, you know, top priority, me and my wife, we add meetings that we absolutely must be to, to each other's calendars when Stella is at home. So generally this applies to weekends as an example. So let's say I have a call on a Saturday, I'll add that also to my wife's schedule. And then she recognizes from two to three thirty PM, you have to take care of Stella, my daughter, and the same thing on my side. So my, my wife runs a network of mermaid schools throughout North America. And sometimes she has these mermaid gigs that pop up that she has to do. So it's important for her to be able to uh, have that type of redundancy with me. And that works, I would probably say 80% of the time. And then when it doesn't work 80% of the time, that's when we'll switch to a babysitter or my father. But then if we actually have an entire Saturday that's a complete write-off, we'll just hire a nanny for Saturday to be able to do the entire day so that Stella is entertained and happy. Because really getting shuttled around from parent to parent, particularly when we're kind of connected to doing work and stuff like that. I mean, at least in my experience, I've seen how she is when she goes to daycare versus how she would have been if she had just stayed home with the two of us. And maybe either me or my wife basically became quasi full-time uh, stay-at-home parents uh, and kind of just did a little bit of work on the side. And I think at the end of the day, the child suffers uh, pretty significantly from that. So since we have the money to be able to do it, we just provide those other frameworks so that uh, she's she's okay and she's entertained.
0: Okay. Well, it's definitely, yeah, it depends on your personal situation. And yeah, I've, I've interviewed people before that have said, like, you can't do remote work with kids. It's just not possible. And then there's people who are like, well, this is how I do it. And then there's, there's just so many different factors to take into account. You can
1: do it. So especially with our staff, because we have staff from countries all over planet Earth. I met one of your uh,
0: staff that has four kids and he homeschools them and he works from home. And he showed me a picture of his home office set up. (laughs) And the kids are literally in the same room as him Mm -hmm. uh, where his partner does the homeschool. But he he does like you're probably going to talk about uh, when we cover your book and other topics here. But he does it a lot of asynchronous work with you, I think. So he's able to do that because he can put his headphones on and zone out a bit while the homeschooling is happening around him.
1: Yeah, so I think there's a real big difference between synchronous and asynchronous remote work. And if you're trying to implement asynchronous work inside of a family home where you've got a lot of children, it's exponentially easier than eight hours of Zoom calls per day. I would pretty much tell you, I think it is impossible if you're doing eight hours of Zoom calls per day. Yes. (laughs) Working remotely. But the reality is, is that not many people really know that remote work is not eight hours of Zoom. Calls per day. That's not the way the vast majority of remote companies that succeeded in remote work actually deployed remote work before the pandemic.
0: Yes. <laughs> I don't know if you want to elaborate on that more, but i read uh, an article, I don't know, it was probably two years ago now. And it was about like, how we cannot fit these things into the same template, it doesn't work, you have to, for example, when graphic design existed before the internet, they didn't just say, let's make graphic design on the internet, they had to adapt web design to make it more accessible. The the premise was just here are all the different ways that people have tried to convert something into another industry or another way of Mm -hmm. doing it. And it just hasn't, it hasn't worked. And we're not there yet with remote work, because because people are still trying to shove those eight hours of face-to-face things into a schedule that a lot of people don't have wraparound childcare for. Hmm.
1: Well, the dirty little secret that a lot of people don't really recognize is, um, and you know my history, but I'll just explain it for everybody that's listening right now, is I've been running a couple tech companies for almost 20 years in the remote workspace. We have team members in 43 different countries all over the world. I really like remote work. Our mission statement is we're trying to empower the world's transition towards remote work. And with running remote, the conference that we run, I had the fantastic advantage to be able to interview the biggest and best experts in remote work over the last five years. And the one single thing that they all had in common, which almost no one else has done with remote work during the pandemic is something that I call asynchronous management. And it's the subject of the book that I have spent the last year and a half writing, which is called Running Remote, which focuses entirely on building a business in which it is no longer dependent that people have synchronous conversations conversations, meaning like a Zoom call, a phone call, instant messages that you have to actually be present for, as an example. These are all forms of synchronous communication that don't necessarily work inside of remote companies. And more importantly, if you actually apply asynchronous management to a remote company, you can scale that business much faster than if you're doing it the old fashioned way, the kind of what I call like the 20th century office model of running a business, because there were a whole bunch of interesting insights that we had gained out of this process that was really brought on as a forcing function for early remote pioneers, because they had everyone located all over planet Earth, they couldn't actually get everyone on a like a virtual Zoom call all at the same time. So They had to build. Big these thanks different Liam procedures in order to Liam for taking part of his day, day to speak with me about people life as a remote parents, work leader and parent. Stay tuned or for the next two episodes, you have where we'll talk about creating an in-person you've experience, you remote work at any point during the last two years. You can just look at how he your he knew
0: before becoming a parent leader. Classroom check out his work at running remote things that, that you can do If offline you enjoyed them, this episode, please share with them, it with doing your all those and things review. that were helps other parents find the and podcast. Connect with me online and access your parent-friendly day, entrepreneurship flexible and remote meltdowns. work resources so at mixitdp.com. You got to see that a business action and how it makes a listening. huge difference with education as well having those options.